back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Tuesday, October 1st. Happy October. And your Nittany Lions are 4-0 and after a beatdown in College Park, Maryland. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host, Pat. We are feeling good. Pat. I don't know if I have felt this good after a game in... The only, like, in recent memory, only one that feels better is when we beat Ohio State. Maybe when we beat Michigan by 42 or Ohio State. Yeah, like, there's since been some then, good ones. There's been oh, some good ones. There's been man. some good wins. There's been... Mm. This, this felt really good because it's I feel been like... in a minute. I feel like I was reborn a little bit. Like, and we talked about this. This is Maryland. Sure, they looked good in the beginning of the year. But, like, this should have never been a close game. The line shouldn't have been six and a half. The media shouldn't have been calling this a trap game. And that's why it felt so good. It's like... Thank God we aren't we aren't just a mediocre team. Like everyone was just wrong. Obviously, there's a lot left season to play, but this was a really really fun win. Fifty nine nothing. We whited out their blackout. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and all around, it was it was a complete game. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about for this game. Getting into it, we are going to do a double episode right now. Uh, so you'll get your Maryland recap plus your Purdue uh, preview. You know we got a. Had a little bit of a busy weekend, so we're back at it now. Going to do both of them at the same time. Pat, you want to start with some quick hitters? Let's start with them, baby. Quick hitters. So news and updates from uh, around the Penn State world, the Twitterverse, a couple things going on. Uh, So first thing, recruiting. We have a four-star wide receiver, Keandre Lambert from Virginia, set to commit on Friday, and there has been some traction in his recruiting uh, for – as long as I can remember, he had only two or three crystal ball picks. If you guys follow 24-7 sports, this is how all the experts, they put in who they think, the what team they think the commit is going to, or the recruit is going to commit to. And for the longest time, uh, Keandre Lambert had, it was like 67% Virginia Tech, 33% Penn State. There was like three picks, and nobody changed them forever. Then, all of a sudden, on the 28th, whenever that was, uh, Every pick flipped to Penn State, and like three or more uh, new ones were added for Penn State. So you're sitting pretty now with eight eight experts all predicting Penn State. You got to feel good about that. You do. I, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it's pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. So this is a this is a big win for us. Um, heavy class for wide receivers. He'll be our fifth wide receiver in the class. He will be our highest ranked, which is nice. He's a 92 ish, depending on the service. Um, so, you know, we talked a lot about early in the season, we lost out on Julian Fleming, the number one overall wide receiver, ended up going to Ohio State. Um, you know, you don't replace someone like that, but but the haul that we're putting together is not not too bad. I will say, yeah, I mean, good. Four-star wide receiver. You say you can't replace a Julian Fleming, but I'm going to say that we just did. Maybe we just did. You never know. That's the beauty about recruiting. You never know how these things are going to pan out. Uh, it is funny, though. I was looking at the wide receiver recruiting rankings for 2020 just because I was curious after this one. Um, LSU has three of the top seven wide receiver commits for next year, and Ohio State has four of the top 14. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the rich get richer. Unreal. But we should be getting Keandre Lambert on Friday. Stay tuned. Obviously, you'll see our official tweet when he commits. Uh, on the other side, uh, commits are before Penn State. There's life after Penn State, the NFL. Uh, typically, every week, we, we keep an eye on our guys. Uh, not always a ton of action, but Chris Godwin on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a monster of a day. Did you see this? 
Oh, did I see it? Dude, the kid's on my fantasy team. <laughs> I have him in, uh, yeah, I have him in two leagues. I wish I had him in all three. Um, yeah, he's the one going into the season you heard a lot of hype, a lot of he's the fantasy sleeper who, by the time fantasy drafts came around, wasn't a sleeper anymore because everyone was talking about him. Um, yeah. But he's he's been incredibly consistent for them, and he breaks out this game, 12 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns, very, very happy for Rob God. Did you know I mean, he's been killing it all season, to be honest. Yeah, no, he's been doing really, really well. Like I said, he's been very consistent. I, he has multiple touchdowns. He's a target machine. But, I mean, 12 for 172 and two touchdowns, that's, that's another level. Yeah, that's next so, level stuff. Very, very excited for him. Uh, next up. Nittanyville, shout out to our friends in Nittanyville. Uh, if you are familiar, Taco Bell does their Live Moss student section of the week. Uh, there's an annual award at the end of the year. Last year, Nittanyville was snubbed. I stand by that. Uh, listen to our interview. The with Texas Cameron. A&M or something? Yeah, it was stupid. Um, yeah, very dumb. Uh, but if you haven't listened to our interview with Cameron of Nittanyville, check that out. That was a ton of fun. But this week, Nittanyville made history. They won the first ever student section of the week as an away team. How That's embarrassing right, is that to Maryland? That is, first of all, that's an ab- absolutely shameful to Maryland. But I mean, if, if Penn State doesn't win at the end of the year after that, I don't know what kind of rig system Taco Bell's got going on over there. Yeah. But I demand justice. <laughs> and I, I said this in our interview with Cameron. Like, I, I thought about boycotting Taco Bell when we didn't win, but I just, I love it too much. Like, I eat it multiple times a week. It's really unhealthy. Um, you live in LA. You're eating Taco Bell multiple times a week? Yeah, it's bad. I just, it's, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. You know how many good taco places there are in Los yeah, Angeles? Maybe not multiple times a week, but more often than your <laughs> average human being. That is, dude, I mean, for living in L.A., that's really atrocious. Well, I, got I a lot talk about, about maybe twice a year. Well, get on my level. Um, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> as, an away, as an away team, uh, Nittanyville took over. They invaded the Maryland student section when all the Maryland students left. That was just a beautiful sight on TV. Uh, so oh. shout out to Cameron and all the Nittanyville people. That was just awesome. Yeah, way to go, boys and girls. Way to hold it down out there. Absolutely. Uh, All right, next, it is HBO 24-7 College Football Week. So if you remember, this was the whole big to-do in the offseason, a hard knocks type thing for college football. Penn State is one of the four programs, and HBO cameras are on campus this week documenting everything that's going up into the uh, Purdue game. What do you uh, you think about that? Um, I mean, I guess it's cool that they picked homecoming. That's definitely awesome. I wish it had been like a kind of a cooler game than Purdue. Like like in Iowa would have been awesome or Michigan. But I think homecoming's a pretty good representation, and I'm pretty fucking psyched that they chose us. And yeah. way less like for how many Sandusky scandal references there are going to be in this, <laughs> this documentary. I'm hoping none, but yeah, I mean, HBO did do the whole Paterno movie. Oh, if there's only one, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Um, yeah, so they pick homecoming. Um, obviously, I, I would imagine it'd have to be a home game, so that's why you can't get Iowa. Um, Michigan could have been I cool, I thought too. Iowa was at, was at home. No, night game at Kinnick. Um, ah, yeah. I'm stupid. Hey, happens. Um, so, yeah, I get it. Uh, good game. And it, it, Franklin talked about it during his press conference today. A lot of people asked him, like, how does this change things? Does this make anything different? And he said not really because they have cameras around all the time anyway for, like, their internal content. They do, like, a weekly show, uh, PSU Unrivaled. Um, they have, like, local people there all the time. Uh, and he said, he's like, they're not like branded, like, hey, we're HBO. They're just more cameras. So, um, you know, he said it was something that they obviously took 
took seriously, you know, noted that Penn State is a little bit more conservative. People were kind of like, wow, can't believe Penn State would do this. But honestly, man, I think it's a huge recruiting tool as well. Like, I mean, you look at these recruits, you're seeing all the history, all the tradition, the current state, some of the personalities that are going to be on this camera. Like, you're going to see KJ yeah. and Micah and all these guys. Like, that's that's a weapon in the recruiting and in just Potential the even the Hamler family. Yeah, oh my god, that'd be amazing. The Hamley, if you will. <laughs> the Hamley. Did it, has anyone copyrighted that? KJ, we're going to. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I don't know when it actually airs. I'll look that up. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be pretty cool. Uh, last two, two more. So the California law. We talked about this. Um, we talked about this last time that the bill had been passed, but it needed to be signed into law. The governor of California has signed it into law that student athletes in the state of California can get paid from their name, likeness, and image. This is big news. Yes. I probably huge should have, I probably should have led the show with this, but my notes are out of order. This is huge. Um, I thought it was very funny that he signed it on LeBron James's like internet yeah. show. <laughs> it's a little strange. Um, but yeah, so this is now effective. So people are people are losing their minds on both directions. A lot of people saying this is amazing, this is revolutionary. A lot of people saying this is terrible and it's going to kill the NCAA as we know it. Um, well, the NCAA as we know it sucks. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so. yeah, they suck. So there's a, I think there's a couple things here. First and foremost, this law in California doesn't take effect till 2023. So you got some time to figure out all the ins and outs. A lot of people are asking, like, you know, how does this affect sponsorships like with uh, a company that is different than what the school has, right? If a school has a Nike sponsorship, the kid can't go out and get an Adidas sponsorship. I'm sure they're going to put all these kind of clauses in, right? They'll make it so that it works. Um, but for the NCAA, the Pac-12 came out with a statement against it. Like all of these like governing bodies of college athletics that are so, so against it, like their big thing is it's going to kill amateurism and it's going to turn it into professional sports and I don't know, man. I, I voiced my opinion on this. I think Adam Brenneman said it best. He had a tweet today, uh, former tight end Adam Brenneman also was on our show. Shout out to him. Um, he said, if it's a business for the coaches, if it's a business for the schools, if it's a business for the NCAA, then it should be able to be a business for the kids too. And I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I agree. And the fact of the matter is that the NCAA and the schools have turned it into a business. So like you reap what you sow. Um, I think there are going to be definite downsides to it, but I think there's more downsides to it not existing. Yeah, I think I think I'm incredibly optimistic about it, and and like I've mentioned, it's you know it can't just be California. It's got to be basically every state needs to get on board, um, and it's already started. So a couple senators from Florida have uh, expressed interest in creating the same bill. Um, there was one other state too that that um, I think they filed the initial paperwork. So like it's starting already, and I think over the next year you're going to see a lot of this. Because the NCAA, their quote-unquote threat is like, okay, well, now California has this. They have an unfair recruiting advantage. We're going to keep them out of postseason play. You can't do that Everybody if every state has it. Yeah. You can't do that if every state has or it. Or even if like 10 states have it. Yeah, yeah. Which right. is California, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Ohio all can't play in postseason. Exactly. How is that going to work for you? Right? Your ratings will plummet. You will lose money. They will figure this out. So like I said, you're not going to see this like – tangibly until 2023 at the earliest um, but I am excited about it and and I think you know a lot of the people saying this is going to change the game of recruiting I, I've talked about it before too like I don't really think so because like I think the kid who 
you know, is a superstar and can make a ton of money off his likeness, can probably make the same amount at Alabama as he can USC or at Clemson or at, you know, any of these big time schools. Like it's, it'll be figured out. I'm super excited about it, but definitely stay tuned because this is going to get crazy over the next couple of years. Uh, okay, last quick hitter, and then we're going to get into the Maryland game recap. James Franklin, press conference today. I love James Franklin. We are a pro James Franklin podcast. Press conference oh. today, they asked about uh, the time for the whiteout because it hasn't been announced yet. And he said, this is a direct quote, earlier the better. Can we get an 11 a.m. kick? No. What? What? Get out of here with that, James. I, I mean, and he was serious about it, too. Like, and he, he, like, he made a joke. He's like, he's like, you know, I know everyone watching this is probably freaking out. Um, but he talked about how late games throw off the schedule. So, like, Friday night game, uh, you know, that we had in Maryland, he said they didn't get home till 4 a.m. And then he was up at 6 recruiting again. Like, I get it, dude, but that's part of the job. You're making $5 million a year for a reason. Yeah. So, like, I get that there's a also, lot of the whiteout game, if it ends at 12, guess when you're home? 12! You're at home! home. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, and the, the, the only thing that I didn't like is he said, yeah, the fans are embracing it too. You know, they, uh, they love the breakfast Lies. tailgates and they love being able to tailgate after the game. And he said, like, Chris Peterson, the social media person, Lies. has been showing him tweets of fans that like that. James, check my Twitter feed. I will show you many tweets showing the opposite. So um, that still hasn't been announced, but we should get it pretty soon, especially with the baseball playoffs now kind of shaping up. Um, I hope it's a night game. Like, the atmosphere of a whiteout during the day just isn't the same. Yeah, I mean, day games aren't as fun because you had to wake up at 9 a.m. to start drinking. Yes. As opposed to waking up at noon to start drinking and then drinking till 8. Okay? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all know how, how math works. <laughs> Three hours isn't as good as eight hours of drinking. Math with Pat Colicchio. Come on back, y'all. <laughs> yeah it, it just it blows my mind that like that's an actual thought just because again it'll be it'll still be an electric atmosphere at you know during the day because we've had 330 kicks for whiteouts before i'm pretty sure 330 um is fine yeah noon is another game that's just i mean the student noon section the hell out i don't here. think the student section would be there at kickoff like i really don't no they wouldn't um and that's not a shot at any of them like i wouldn't be there if i was a student either like it's just me? you'd probably kind of filter in during the first quarter so Anyway, hopefully that one is a night game. We will get that soon. That's a lot of quick hitters. Quick hitters are supposed to be quick. They, they take up more and more of this show, but guys, we're getting you the news. Yeah. So let's pivot to the Maryland game yeah. recap. Like I mentioned, 59 to nothing. This was pretty much as good a game as we can ask for, uh, unless you had the over. Unless you had the over. Pat, what did you have? I had Penn State with the points and the under. Which is infuriating because the over was 61, 61 and a half, depending on where you got it. 59, nothing. Man, Jordan Stout, make the field goal. I'm good. Maryland, have a pulse. I'm good. It just sucks. So, uh, yeah, I think that moves you to, what, six and two on the season in your bets? Uh, that sounds it Drops right. me to four and four. Um, so, this is actually this is a call to all of our listeners, to everyone that interacts with us. We need your help. So we have uh, decided every week that we're both going to take the side and the total. Um, so last week, again, Pat took the points and the under. I took the points and the over on the season. He is now 6-2. and two. I am 4-4. Four and four. There's plenty of time to catch up. This isn't over. So what we need is a punishment 
for the person who loses. Or, or like a celebratory for the person who wins, but I think it's probably yeah. funnier to go with a punishment. So this is kind of similar to like, you know, the fantasy football leagues. You guys try to come up with what the last place person is going to do. Um, send us in your ideas of what we should do for whichever one of us loses. We'll take the four best or so, put them out on a Twitter poll, and let you guys decide. So, uh, Pat, any- We came up with a good one on Saturday, but then we got drunk, and now I can't remember it. Oh, I definitely don't or on remember. Friday, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had something good. I, I want was- you guys to know that. I think they- <laughs> oh, we had something good. I think they were all similar to the ones that are like the fantasy football loser. It's like, oh, you have to take the SATs, or you have to, you know... Uh, publicly stand on a corner with a sign that says I suck or something like that. Like, let's get creative. I, I can Google fantasy football punishments. I want you guys to come up with something different, something new. This way it can get a little bit more they, they can be rewards as well. Yeah. We can do a reward for the winner. Yeah, absolutely. Like, loser has to buy the winner something or just you guys are more creative. Come up with something good. Tweet us. Tweet at us with your ideas. We'll, uh, we'll put the best ones out to a poll. All right, that being said, let's jump into our game. We always start out with the lion and the lamb. Ooh, should we do Big Ten first, or do you want to go right into the game? Um, let's do Big Ten first. Let's do Big Ten first. We'll, we'll say I'm, I'm so excited. I'm trying to jump right in. Uh, so every week we do a Big Ten baller and a Big Ten bozo. Um, I'll be honest, Pat, this is the first week that I am not quite prepared, and you, sir, are. So All right. I'll let you I've go first it. on this one. Who is your Big Ten baller of the week? My Big Ten baller of the week is Ricky Ronnie. <laughs> oh, such a cop-out. Oh, that's such a cop-out. I hate it. No, he All was right. such a baller this week. Dude, people have been calling for this guy's head for like two years, and he puts up 59 points when it matters in a game that people are calling a trap game. And after a game where we underperformed on offense and people are wondering whether he deserves to have this job, some people outright saying he doesn't at all. And he not only not only did we get the big plays, but we converted third downs. We had long drives. We ran the ball efficiently. We passed the ball. We did it all. Yeah, all of those things are true. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. And when you say some people are calling for his head, you can just say me by name. It's cool. Um, no, it's a cop out because Big Ten baller is supposed to be for someone else in the Big Ten no, outside of Penn care. State. Not when we ball this hard. Unbelievable. All right, fine. Ricky Ronnie, Big Ten baller of the week. Uh, my Big Ten baller, as I scan the box scores very quickly, uh, is going to go to a losing team, actually. A wide receiver from Indiana had 14 receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. And the reason I'm giving it to him is because his name is Wop Filior. W-H-O-P is his first name. Wop. Wop. Like a cool whip, but a whop. Yeah. Like, like what you call an Italian person, a Wop. Sure. I, I'm not going to say that, but sure. Uh, Wap Filior. That's just a cool name. 14 receptions, 142 name. yards, two touchdowns. You are my Big Ten baller of the week. All right, Pat, who's your bozo? Are you going to pick someone else on Penn State? No. I mean, how could you pick a Penn State as a bozo? This you can't. Week? That was a trap. I was trying to fool you. Yes. My Big Ten bozo is Chris Ash. Yeah. Former coach of Rutgers University who uh, came in and I believe said they were going to build a wall around the state when it came to recruiting. Uh, refused to even reference Penn State by name. You know, yikes. Basically, talked this huge game about how they were restarting this program. They were going to dominate Penn State, make it a, try to make it this huge rivalry. And I don't think he dominated anything at, at any point. Uh, he, um, he dominated losing. He was really good at yes, that. Yes, he did. 
dominant loser. Really, really good loser. <laughs> and then managed to get fired in the middle of his fourth season, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I think I mean, I think one game into Big Ten play of his fourth season. Chris Ash is a bozo. He's a bozo. Hey, Chris Ash, welcome to the show. You're a bozo. Um, it's funny, people are already talking about how this is perfect because now he'll just go be like Urban Meyer's coordinator at USC when he gets that job. They'll be reunited. Um, yeah, that's really the only bozo of the week. Rutgers got murdered by Michigan, which I kind of wanted to see that be even like a close game because that would have been really funny on Michigan. Um, but they they beat Rutgers as they should, 52-0. I'm going to give my bozo to Indiana. I know I just gave my baller to that one receiver. Um but this was a game that I think they should have won. Uh, so they lose to Michigan State 40-31. to uh, But the box score, that doesn't really reflect it. It was 34-31. And the last play of the game is a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So Michigan State falls on it. That's how they get those extra six. Um, it was 34-31. This is a game that Indiana absolutely could have and, and probably should have won. Um, you know, we've talked about Michigan State. They lost already to Arizona State. Um, you know, they're a team that... Doesn't look like they should be super crazy good all the time. Uh, so, Indiana, you're a bozo for blowing a, a, a top 25 victory. You could have beat number 25 Michigan State, and you blew it. So, you're a bozo. All right, uh, let's jump into the game. Now we're here. Um, okay, we're going to start with our lion and our lamb. And, Pat, I'm going to do something here. Every okay. week, Good. every week, I kick it to you, and I ask you first who your line is. And many, you many, weeks, many weeks, you take it from me, and I'm not going to let it happen this week. I do it, because I know. You know You're exactly stiff. who it is. I am stiff. stiff for Cliff. My line of the week <laughs> is Sean motherfucking Clifford. His middle name, if you didn't know, is motherfucking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy just, the guy had a perfect game. Like, I mean, obviously not perfect, but it was damn near close. Uh, if you heard our preview episode or listen to the tweet where I pulled the audio and gloated that I was right, I said, this. I think this is going to be the game where he finally puts it all together, and he did. Um, I'm not going to read off all the stats right now because we're going to jump to the, to the kind of offensive review in a minute. Um, but, I mean, just the, the top line, 26 for 31, 398 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, adds a touchdown on the ground. Like, he played the best game of his career to date. It's a short career, but the best game of his career to date, and he did 98% of the things that I wanted him to do. Like all of the things that we called out about being better, uh, better reads, checking down, making the right throws, like all of those things were incredible, and I'm just so happy for the kid. Sean Clifford, you are a lion. All right, Pat, who's your lion? I'm going with Jan Johnson, man. Jan Johnson, Um, the ball hawk. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, I mean, he didn't have like really. He, I, I, he had the one huge play, all right. Yeah. And first of all, it was a great interception, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact of the matter was, I, I think that set the tone for the entire game. You know, Maryland opens up; they're feeling like hot shit. I think they got a first down to start. Yeah. And then Jan Johnson with this interception, the two penalties that bring us down to the eight, we score right away. And Maryland is just flat and has absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. Jan Johnson, I, in my opinion, Jan Johnson won this game. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. He didn't. But I, you know, I think just opening the game up that way was such a momentum swing that Maryland could never recover from to even make it a close game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like you said, the stat line itself, I think he only had one tackle on the game. Um, but that interception was huge. Yep. And, and not only did it set the tone, I think uh, – giving the offense the ball 
in that position to start the game, I think was such a huge confidence boost uh, for Cliff and the offense. So, yeah, not a pick I saw coming for the line. I think there's a lot of guys on defense that we'll talk about in a bit um, that, that had really great games, but I like it. Jan Johnson, the former Penn State wrestler, setting the yeah. tone with a game-opening interception. Shout out, Jan Johnson. All right, we flip to our lamb. Uh, again, lamb line is your most valuable. Lamb is your least valuable. Really hard to pick someone in a game where you win 59 nothing. I think there's only one, uh, and it, it's Jordan Stout. He missed a 52-yarder. He didn't get a touchback on every single one of his kickoffs. He showed that he's human. So, like, it's not bad by any means, but he showed that he's not a god, although I did tweet he's still a god in my book. Um, and for me particularly, this one hurt, because like I said, if he drills that 52-yarder, which we know he's capable of, I hit the over. So, like, now you're hitting my wallet, Jordan Stout. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, there's, there's no real answer here. That's the only one I could think of. You got anything? Uh, I Fox Sports Network is my lamb of the Ooh, game. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, for some reason, they made it impossible for me to watch the game on the app while I was riding over to the bar in the Uber. Mm. So I, I missed the first couple of minutes of the game because of Fox Sports. Uh, not to mention, making us play on Friday night, Fox. Yeah. Yeah. All right? Not a fan. And trying to make this Michigan game early. And trying to make the whiteout game early. Fox, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's actually a great pick. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was talking talking with some friends about this, and like the whole like Fox, they're they're heavily promoting it, like Fox Big Noon, like they put their marquee matchup at noon, and I get it from a ratings perspective because like they don't have to compete with anyone else. All the other networks, ABC, ESPN, they're all playing primetime at night, so like I get that they're getting all the eyeballs. But yeah, in this game, guess what? You're a lamb. Yeah. All right, a couple of quick notes on this game, and then we'll get into the offense-defense breakdown. Um, Micah Parsons ejected for targeting. Um, we can talk through that whole thing a little bit later, but just one thing I wanted to note, a lot of people are asking, like, does he have to sit out part of next game? The answer is no. Targeting is a half-game uh, suspension, so being that he got the penalty in the first half, he did his sitting out in the second half, he'll be good uh, for next game. And then the other one is Justin Shorter, uh, banged up on the targeting call against him. The shot to the head uh, didn't play for the rest of the game. No updates from Franklin per usual. So a lot of people on Twitter asking if he'll be ready to play. We will find out on Saturday. Um, but yeah, let's jump into the offense. Uh, this game, like I said, was just was incredible um, for, for a lot of reasons. So I'll start with Cliff. I read off his, uh, his stats earlier. So his 398 yards is a career high for him. It is also yeah, just get two more yards, right? What's that? Just get two more yards. Make I know. around four hundred. I know. When Franklin pulled him, I was like, "Come on, dude!" Like, uh, but I, I mean, I get it. I get it. But come on. Um, I will say though, this is a, a little fun fact. Three ninety eight puts him at third all time for a single game. Do you know who has the most okay. most passing yards in a single game? It's during our tenure. Like our our lifetime Christian Hackenberg. Fans. It is Christian Hackenberg. Great answer. Uh, it was the game in Ireland against UCF. I was there. Oh yeah. I was there in person in Ireland. Great trip. Uh, he threw for four fifty four. So that is the most in a single game. If you leave Cliff in for another quarter, he gets that. Um, which I, I agree. Which I know, like the team, like Franklin doesn't care about, and how Cliff might not even care about that much right now. Um, so yeah, he, uh, Hackenberg 454 and then back in the early 2000s, uh, Zach Mills had 399. So beat Cliff by one. Yikes. 
I don't even remember Zach Mills. Yeah, I, I read it off of a tweet. <laughs> that was before my time. Um, 398 is also the most by a Penn State quarterback in a Big Ten road game. That's interesting. And his 287 yards passing in the first half is a new PSU record for most passing yards in a first half. Love it. A lot of good things. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I was very, very excited with Clifford and his composure overall. Um, first play of the game, I, I'll tell you, so uh, you were on your drive, so maybe you didn't see it. First play of the game, we ended up having to take a timeout because they're waiting too long and the play clock is ticking down. And I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Like, this is going to be ugly. Comes back, they do, uh, it's like a read option, but it was cool because they had KJ coming in motion as well. It was like a little fake out. He makes the absolute perfect read and runs it in for the touchdown. His first rushing touchdown of the career. Like from that moment, I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be a good game. Because like he could have handed it to Journey and it would have been, it would have been interesting because Journey might have just been athletic enough to score, but it wasn't the right read. Like he had, the man went, the defender went to go get Journey. Cliff makes the right read, runs it in. Um, and I, I loved that. Like, I just, I loved his performance. I could talk for hours, but what'd you think about, uh, about Cliff in this game? Yeah. I mean, he played a nearly perfect game. Um, I think you only saw like one, uh, like read option where he decided to keep when journey would have had a great run. I think it was journey. Um, I mean, put up monster stats. You still do want to see him put a little more air under those deep balls, yep. you know, but I, I mean, Hey, Fucking incredible game out of, yeah. out of John Clifford. Yeah, and that that is the only negative thing that I had is is the few underthrows. So there's the one uh, to Chizena, uh, who made an incredible catch through pass interference uh, down the right sideline. Um, but Chizena again is known for his speed. He is known for being the fastest guy on the team. Lay that thing up and let him go and run underneath it like that. I mean, it held up in the air. Chizena had to wait, and that allowed the defender to kind of get over him. Um, great catch. It was pass interference, so no harm, no foul. But put some air under that one. Um, and then the other one was on the interception. So, quite frankly, I don't think this ball should have ever been thrown. Um, really nice play by the defender, Nick Cross, to, to get in front of it, catch it, and get the toe tap. Uh, fun fact, he was a Penn State target during his recruitment. He's a true freshman. Um, but that ball shouldn't have been thrown because, realistically, same thing. You have to air that one out and lead him. I think it was, uh, I think it was Daniel George on that one. Um, you could tell he was he was holding up, waiting, and that allowed the safety to I get I thought over. it was Chizena again. Uh, I don't think it was Chizena. I thought it was George or maybe Cam Sullivan Brown. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll look back. Here nor there. You, you would have had to air that one out, but even if you do, I think the safety still has a play on it because he just changes his angle of pursuit there. I don't think that ball should have been thrown. Is what it is. Again, overall 98%. Really, really good game. Um, and I think this was something to build on. You know, it, it's confidence boost. It's it's understanding the game. Um, it's seeing things. He was he was changing protections at the line. He was you know he was he was looking the part as a quarterback. I loved it. Uh, all right, let's get to your boy Ricky Ronnie. You talked about it earlier. Um, much better play calling as as a uh, you know a self admitted Ricky Ronnie hater. I, I'll, I don't know if I'm a hater, but I'll say it. Um, I was impressed. I was really really impressed. Uh, I think. I think there were a lot of good things. Uh, so let's talk KJ first. The play. Um, it, it's 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 funny. It's uh, Urban Meyer does like because he's in, he's in like an uh, you know an analyst now. They were doing a breakdown of this game and he was talking about KJ and he gave KJ a lot of props. 
But he said something. He's like, well, it wasn't the greatest play call. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. He's, he's knocking around. Um, but no, that was that was a it was a very nice play to get KJ. What was wrong with that play call? No, it was just very funny. Okay, I think he was more saying like it wasn't the play call that got him the touchdown. It was his athleticism. Oh, okay. But it was funny how it came out. Um, but yeah, that play obviously you get KJ over the middle in space. He breaks one tackle and then he does what KJ does. Like that was arguably the most exciting play of the season so far. Like um, yeah, I it's it's this game. It's hard to it's hard to talk through this game because every comment I want to say is just like yeah I liked that that was good I did like that <laughs> um, but he did reach a thousand yards for his career KJ so shout out uh, KJ Hamler and uh, fun fact he has a catch in all seventeen games that he's played in so obviously a weapon and and he got him in space like I said you saw him in motion you saw him um, you kind of saw him all over the field and you're starting to see the evolution of this playbook a little bit. Uh, something else I loved was uh, running backs in the passing game. Um, you saw a lot of, not not all of them were true screens, but you saw some of the dump offs. Um, one of my favorite ones was the Journey Brown. Um, he was, you know, probably a third or fourth option on that pass play, uh, from what I could tell at least. And Cliff sees that nothing's open downfield, dumps it off to him, and he runs in for like a 37-yard touchdown. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Get your playmakers in space, take what you can get, and the offense continues to churn. Um, tight ends involved. I love that. Nick Bowers had a really big day. Uh, you know, two catches, but for 70 yards, one of them being a touchdown. Love to see that. Um, I'm still like, I'm still a little hurt that Pat Firemuth isn't the guy and involved all over the place, but you're getting people involved, right? Nick Bowers, good game. Uh, and then like you mentioned earlier, third downs. Um, do you know what our third down percentage was for this game? Was it 100%? No, not quite. Uh, we were 9 for 13. Okay. 69%. Oh, nice. nice. Um, but also, that is such an improvement over our season average of, like, what, 23%? Like, yeah, I mean, I was... think our percentage overall went up by, like, 10% it, over the season, it did. didn't it? It did. Um, but I love that. So, like, yeah, I, I could ramble on this. I mean... Again, it's hard to talk through such a good game, really dissect it. I thought Ronnie called a really good game. Um, I thought you saw a lot better usage out of your skill players, weren't trying to force things. And and overall, it made it made for a more manageable game for Cliff, too. Like I think, I think that was the combo, right? The combo of Cliff playing really well, Ronnie calling a good game to allow him to play really well. I'm happy. Yeah, and I don't want to take too much credit, but Ronnie, you know, he did a lot of things that I was talking about in our last episode. With uh, getting KJ in space by deep by like some the deeper crossing routes, which I believe is what he scored his touchdown on, mm-hmm. and getting in those third manageable situations where we we're not killing drives. So I uh, and not to mention the offensive line, I thought had a tr- tremendous game. Yeah, I was very very happy. Absolutely, the out of our offensive line. Yeah, so O line gives up zero sacks, which is fantastic. Uh, one QB hurry, which they track it. I don't really care about the QB hurry that much. Um, six tackles for loss we did give up. So, um, you know, obviously not perfect, but but the no sacks is just, it's a huge improvement. You didn't see um, you didn't see Cliff or Levis, really, when the twos and threes were in, like running for their lives like we have in the past. Yeah. Um, and the run blocking was there, too. Yeah, so what do we have, uh, 198 yards on the ground uh, throughout this game? A lot of yards, people. A lot of yards. Shout out O-line. Um, 
And speaking of those run yards, the running backs. So what did we say? What did I say last week? I said after this game, we're going to get some clarity. It's going to be Journey. It's going to be Noah. What happened? The exact opposite. I mean, it was they all did. Like, it, yeah. it was a continuation of what we've seen. So, like, rushing, uh, Devin Ford, 7 for 43. Ricky Slade, 8 for 28. Journey Brown, 5 for 21. Noah Kane, 7 for 17. So, obviously, the yardage is all split, but carries-wise, 7, 8, 5, 7. I mean, that's about as even as you get. Um, throw in Clifford had seven for 54 Levis had six for 38. Um, I did like to see a lot of, uh, a lot of the, um, out of the backfield. Like I mentioned, journey had two for 41 receptions, uh, with the touchdown. Ricky Slade had three catches for 22 yards. Devin Ford had one for 15 and Noah Kane had one for nine. So yeah, the utilization I think is just awesome. Um, in today's press conference, somebody asked Coach Franklin, are you surprised uh, by the rotation of all four running backs still? And he said, no, but I think you guys are, <laughs> which I thought was really funny um, and very true. Uh, so he said, you know, he, he said it's, it, it keeps them fresh. It lets, lets them all develop. Like, yeah, sometimes one guy will have a bigger game than others, but, you know, that's something that they plan to do and, and I think we can keep expecting. So... I'll eat my words on that one. I said I don't think you can go into Iowa not knowing who your top guys are. I, I think I think they do know. I think they internally know who they want to go with in what situations, and they're just kind of rolling with it. Yeah, I don't think we're really going to see that much separation. I think it's going to be a, like a true running back by committee all year at this point. Which, honestly, which uh, I'll say the only thing that really what does worry me about that, like if they're comfortable in the play calling and the production of all four, who am I to say, like, you need to have two? Whatever. Um, I'm, not, I'm not an offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, what I think does worry me, though, is how do you sell your top running back recruits on that? Right? So we have two four-star running backs coming in. None of these guys are leaving next year unless someone decides to transfer. Right? Like Ricky, Ricky Noah, and Devin can't journey. I don't know his eligibility, but even so, like he's not going to the NFL after this year, you know, like, like he's just not going to put up that kind of numbers, even if he is an NFL talent at some point in his career. So like now you've got four guys who we know are all talented. You're going to infuse two more freshmen who are really, really good. How do you balance it all? Have fun red shirting. (laughs) Pretty much. Right. And, and, but that, and that's tough too, because like you look at guys like Noah Kane and Devin Ford, who, have said they want to come in, they want to come in early, they want to play three years, and they want to go to the NFL. Like, that's been the sell, right? The sell has been, look at Saquon, three years, NFL. Look at Miles, three years, NFL. Like, the hopefully the plan was going to be, like, Ricky's the lead back, he goes one more year, because this is only his true sophomore, and then he goes to the NFL, and then Noah Kane and Devin Ford go to the NFL. I think no one predicted, at least no one on the outside of the program, that Journey would be as good as he is. I think we all kind of thought he was, like, a complimentary back. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's tough in that sense. Like, if you want to continue this pipeline of running back you, eventually you kind of have to have somebody that's that's the guy. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. I, I honestly don't have the answer, but I'm interested. Uh, and then last thing on our offense, uh, just the depth. You know, our twos and threes against their ones, because they, they didn't really change. Uh, and Franklin said this, their, their ones were in pretty much the whole game on both sides of the ball. Um so, yeah, I, I thought that was really good. Levis, 
for for limited action looks fine. Like I think these are valuable reps for him. Uh, obviously shows that he can run the ball a bit. Uh, he does have a big arm. We haven't seen a ton out of him yet passing wise. Um, but I don't think you're gonna be passing a ton when you're up, you know, fifty something nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I get that. Um, but but as far as depth, one question from today's press conference again, uh, they asked uh, wide receivers beyond KJ and Dotson. How do you think they're developing? Let me ask you that. Behind KJ and Jahan Dotson, how do you think the wide receiving core is developing? Um, we still haven't seen a lot out of Justin Shorter. I feel like it's like more bad luck with this kid than anything. I don't think it's the fact that he hasn't developed. I just he hasn't gotten a chance to show it. Um, I mean, if you're counting Pat Frymuth and Nick Bowers, I think they both look great. Uh, Dan Chisena has been someone that, I mean, coming in, I don't think any of us were like, hey, watch out for Dan Chisena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one guy I'm a little disappointed in is Matt Kippenhammer. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so Franklin, you know, Franklin gave the, the Franklin answer, said really pleased with the group. Uh, Shorter continues to gain confidence. Uh, obviously, again, you know, getting getting hurt doesn't help. Um, he rattled off all the other names. So Hippenhammer, Cam Sullivan, Brown, um, just all of them. And yeah, I agree. I think I think obviously KJ, KJ Dotson and Shorter is your top tier. Um I think there is a bit of a drop off after that. Like, yeah, I expected Hip and Hammer to be like one A on on that route, and you haven't quite seen it yet. Uh, Cam Sullivan Brown has showed a lot of promise, or, or had a lot of promise coming in. Haven't quite seen it. I think he had five catches in this game, but you know it was only for uh, thirty five yards. Um, so I think this also, when we talk about recruiting, goes back to that as well. Um, you know, with Keandre Lambert probably committing on Friday, that's our fifth wide receiver in this class. Bringing in a lot of talent, right? Um, there's 11 wide receivers on the on the team right now, and there's probably four or five that we feel like comfortable in. So I think you're you're going to lose some to to graduation, right? You lose Weston Carr the transfer. I think Chazana might be a fifth year. Like you lose some guys to that, but I think I'm actually interested too to see how this plays on the transfer portal. Do you see a guy like Cam Sullivan Brown transfer? You know, do you see some of those guys who maybe just aren't getting the reps transfer the year after? Kind of like what we saw with Brandon Polk, right? He's He left this year, went to JMU, and he's doing pretty well for them. Um, so that's a long roundabout way to say, like, I think there is a gap in talent. But after KJ Dotson and, and Shorter, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, good problems to have. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate that, but you do want to see more depth. You want to see guys that are able to come in, make a difference right away. Um, speaking of depth, let's flip to the defense. Because holy cow, defense looked damn good, man. They look damn good. You want to, I'll let you start off. I've been rambling forever. What's, yeah, uh, I mean, what do you want to talk about on the defense? Defense won that under for me, baby. They won it listen, for me. Listen, guys, defense, I love you. If you, if you would have given up one field goal, I would have been okay with it. No, I'm kidding. I'd rather lose oh, my, my bat and boys. have a shutout. I'd rather lose the bat boys. and have a shutout. Uh, um, the defense was impeccable. The run defense was the best I've seen it in quite some time. No busted plays, it felt like. The pass defense was everywhere, two interceptions. I just absolutely sh- – and, like, they, it's not like they were putting up big yards and we were doing the bend, don't break. There was no bending. None. You know, they didn't even get to attempt a field goal. That's how far away they were from scoring at every point in the game. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been somewhat critical of the bend, don't break. Um, definitely after the pit game. Uh, even in the Buffalo game, like I, I've talked about how we've done enough, but we haven't looked that good. And this is dominant. 
the pressure looked awesome. So we had four sacks, three quarterback hurries, and eight tackles for loss. It felt like we were in that backfield just all game. Um, and so many different guys, too. I mean, we'll run through the stats in a minute, but everybody was swarming to that ball. Uh, oh, and there was good screen recognition this game, too, I felt like. They True. tried to run a couple of screens and went nowhere. Yeah, you mentioned that. And that, those were some of those tackles for loss. Um, the interceptions you mentioned, uh, Jan Johnson at the start of the game, Tariq Castro-Fields had the one uh, where he was backing up into the end zone. Six pass deflections, which I thought was great. Um, and then the Keaton Ellis forced fumble. So Keaton Ellis is a true freshman, forced to fumble late in the game. You love to see that. Um, yeah, so talk about depth. Uh, let's go back to the Micah Parsons. He gets the targeting call. I think it was even in the first quarter, was it? Or was it the second yeah, quarter? the first quarter. I think it was first quarter. He gets the targeting call. Um, Jesse Lucada comes in, and there seems to be no drop-off, which is also, insane. Lays down one of the best hits of the year. I was just going to say, that was a grown man hit. He goes, cuts the dude off, and literally, like, he stays upright and just throws the guy down. It was awesome. stand-up hit. Yeah, but what I loved about this is, is, is this showed you, like, the talent is there, you know? Because we've, we've talked a lot about how, like, Micah truly is a freak of nature and, like, a one-of-a-kind talent who will go on to the NFL and have a great career. For him to go out that early and us to really not miss a beat, I think is a testament to the depth. To... For us to pitch a shutout after yeah. we lose our best defensive player like ten less than 10 minutes into the game. Seriously. I mean, like you look at the NFL, uh, again, if you're a new listener, Pat and I are both Jets fans. We lost C.J. Mosley, our middle linebacker, and the defense became switch cheese. Like, yeah. And he's not even like a top 10 linebacker in the NFL. Eh, he's pretty damn good. He's a field general. People love him out there. Here nor there. Here nor there. My point being is Micah Parsons is a huge part of this defense. You lose him, and really there's not much of a drop-off. Uh, and again, you're, you know, you're not saying like, oh, Jesse could come in for the entire season and play as well as him, but it's nice to know the depth is there. Um, this was a question, too, that, that Franklin answered. They asked about the talent depth at linebacker, and he said it's similar to the running back rotation. Like, we're, we're nine deep. Like, at, at each position, we can go three deep and feel comfortable where we are. Um, you know, he talked about Jesse. He also talked about um, Jan Johnson and Ellis Brooks basically splitting reps at this point. Um, Ellis Brooks had a game. You talk about yeah. how Jan Johnson looked. Jan Johnson had the interception, but only one tackle. Ellis Brooks, six tackles, two and a half sacks, and he looked like he could step in, play middle linebacker, and be good to go. Yeah, he looked good <laughs> in pass coverage, too. Yeah, so I think... I think the depth there is incredible. I'm really, really excited about that. You look at guys like Ellis Brooks, guys like Brandon Smith getting playing time. Um, I, I think I, I feel really, really good about where we stand linebacker-wise, um, and it's it's exciting for the future, man. Um, one note on the Micah uh, penalty, so they talked about that in the press conference too. Uh, Franklin said he, he said he was the right call, but he was happy how, how well Micah handled it. That he took his penalty, jogged off the field, and went to the locker room. Like, didn't make a scene about it like some guys do. Um, you see that all across the country, people freaking out on the sideline. Um, so he said he loved that. He said he didn't love the live tweeting from the locker room. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, I think we retweeted, actually. Yes, Mark, uh, I was going to say, that's uh, quite the coincidence because I did love it. Uh, yeah, I loved it, too. And Franklin even said, he goes, he goes, listen, I didn't have a problem with what he tweeted. He tweeted, like, you know, my boys are still holding it down. Uh, he's like, but I just don't want that happening during the game, uh, which I think is fair. Uh, and he actually even mentioned that I guess there's talk about changing that rule, that if a guy gets ejected for targeting, like, yeah, he has to go to the locker room, you know, take off his pads, but he can then be on the sideline for the rest of the game. 
which I think would be really cool and valuable for collegiate players. Yeah. Also, like, you know, I mean, was he supposed to just sit in the locker room and not look at his phone? Yeah, I guess Frank Franklin doesn't love the the social media like pregame or at halftime. Like he doesn't like. He said he's like he's like. Yeah, it's, it's one thing if he was doing it at halftime, but he can't play. Yeah, it's just it's a distraction, I guess, quote unquote. Because to had, who? It, it's it the becomes, only one in the locker room. It's, yeah, but it, it becomes a story. Like, had he been tweeting like sh- like things that weren't very appropriate? Listen, you and I are talking about it. it's a story. Um, here nor there. I keep saying that this episode because I'm just going on ridiculous tangents. Um, but yeah, I really, really loved our linebacker depth. Um, like I said, you got to see a lot of young guys getting in there. I mean, four sacks, Ellis Brooks had two and a half. Adisa Isaac, true freshman, had a sack and a half, which was awesome. Um, lots of tackles for loss. Everyone was around the ball. It just seemed like constantly we had three, four, five guys flocking to the ball. It was a great defensive performance. That's all you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about special teams. Like we said, one missed field goal from 52. You're not going to cry about it unless you had the over. Um, other than that, not a whole lot. Uh, so the last things from today's press conference before we get into the Purdue uh, preview. Um, one thing uh, they asked about, are there any changes to the green, yellow, red um, designations for true freshmen? So if you remember, true freshmen, uh, green means you're going to play. You're absolutely going to burn your red shirt. Yellow means we'll flirt with that four-game limit where – you might burn it. You might only play the floor, the four, and then red means we're not going to burn your red shirt. Um, you're going to stay, and you're going to red shirt. They said the two that were greens that have slipped to yellows are Lance Dixon, linebacker, and Caden Wallace, offensive tackle. Uh, and he said basically they're just not getting enough reps. Um, so Lance Dixon, we just talked about how deep we are at linebacker. Doesn't make sense to keep playing him just a handful of plays every game and burn his red shirt if he's not going to be really making an impact yet. And then Caden Wallace, who's an offensive tackle, who I thought we were definitely going to see because of some of the O-line struggles. Franklin said he's really only been playing him on like extra point and field goals as, as an offensive lineman. It's the same thing. As, as a big boy who can contribute to our O-line for years, why burn the red shirt if you really don't have to? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's the right decision. Yeah, agreed. And, and again, this is a sliding scale, right? You're going to see this change throughout the season. If injuries happen, obviously these guys get propped into play. Um, but I do think what'll be cool is you'll see some of these young guys that haven't really played yet uh, start to probably use their four-game opportunity. Uh, so we have like two true freshman wide receiver. Maybe you'll see them in here and there on special teams, or maybe even on, in on offense. Um, we have some, you know, D linemen that haven't gotten in there yet. So like I think you'll I think you'll see more young guys uh, in the next couple games. And Franklin said, uh, particularly at home, which I think will be cool. Uh, and then the last thing that went crazy viral from this game is hashtag lawn boys. <laughs> that chain is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I want one so bad. Yes. Um, like so bad. Like I want the actual chain uh, shout out at PSU facts on Twitter. He's selling a t-shirt. He or she, I don't know who actually runs that account selling a t-shirt with the chain logo on it. Very, very cool. But I want the actual chain. I, uh, I tweeted to Coach Sider weeks ago when they first debuted it on Twitter, asking for a friend how I could get one. Shocker, I never got an answer. Um, but it is funny, yeah. Onward State had a whole article how like uh, people are mad about this, like how it's not past well, state tradition. Like, what the hell are you mad about? It's not a, it's yeah. not, it's not a turnover chainsaw or a fucking one of stupid gimmicky thing. It's a necklace. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think it's cool. First of all, I I love the the, the lawn boys 
just the name I think is great. Yeah. And they give it to you if you get a touchdown. Like it's not like I don't it's not like it's not that huge of a deal. No. Like it gets on TV for five seconds. Yep. Um and you know what? I so like the one person who said something about it, I was like, all right, was Scott Paterno. Interesting. Because someone asked him. And he was like, you know, I don't love the turnover chain. Reminds me too much of Miami. I know I'm old. And posted like a gif of Abe Simpson yelling at the clouds. Okay. I like self-awareness. So first like of all, it. he admits that like the times have passed him. Yep. Um, and, you know, again, this is a guy who was raised by Joe Paterno. He's going to have similar opinions about things. That's not something that Joe would have been into. No, of course I think not. any of us could tell. Um, it, it is a little bit of Miami, who was like a huge rival of Joe. And like we had a lot of beef with and was kind of like our antithesis throughout Joe's career. But like, I don't think it's such a betrayal of Penn State tradition that it's a bad thing. And yeah. he also wasn't like, it's disgusting. Right. It's not Penn State. Just like, yeah, it reminds me too much of Miami. I know I'm old. Yeah. So admitting like things are different now and that's not a bad thing. Okay, that's fair. It I might not that. be for him, but it's not bad. Yeah, and I love that. It's how I took his thing. Yeah, Onward State had an article and there were like dozens of tweets from the Twitter mob about people like actually angry about it, which I think is yeah. dumb. Uh, I don't know if I buy into the whole like Miami versus Penn State thing. Because Miami started the turnover chain, but like, it's everywhere now. Like I said, there's there's no joke. I forget what school. They have a turnover chainsaw, like a full-on chainsaw. I imagine the chains aren't on and the battery's not there, but it's a fucking chainsaw. Uh, there was a like, turnover spear. There are all these stupid gimmicks. Listen, a necklace after you score a touchdown that says lawn boys because you tear up grass, I'm perfectly fine. And it's clever. Yeah. It's clever. Definitely. I love it. I think it's cool. Um, so they did ask him about that. They said... Uh, in the press conference, they asked James Franklin, they said, you know, what do you think about the Lawn Boys chain? It got a lot of attention. Um, you know, position room names like the Wild Dogs for our DNs, D-line that Sean Spencer has. Um, and he said the names have gone on for a long time. Each position has it. The players and coaches come up with it together to have a little fun. He said there's a fine line with it. Uh, but want to make sure we're playing a brand of football that people can respect, that our fans, our lettermen, our community can feel good about uh, and feel good about how our guys conduct themselves on the field, in the classroom, in the community. Basically giving the very, like, politically correct answer. Like, yeah, there's a fine line. We care more about, like, who we are as people, right? Which I think is totally fair. Because I still think if you talk to any single one of those guys, they're going to uphold the quote-unquote Penn State character and be the Penn State guy that we've come to know and love. Um, there's a follow-up question about, like, how he regulates it. Which is, like, the fact that these reporters are drilling down so hard. And this is kind of funny to me. Um they asked him, like, they're like, oh, do you sign off on all these things? And he, he like, kind of laughed. He's like, well, no, like, we, we don't have a ton of rules about these things. You know, like, I don't sign off on everything. He's like, but everyone knows what fits in our culture and what doesn't. Like, you know, Sean Spencer doesn't need to come and say, hey, I'm going to call us the wild dogs. Is that okay? No, you know what's right and what's wrong. And, like, I, I think, that, yeah, I think that's cool. Like, listen. I'm on, every, I feel like I'm on, like, family feud here. Good answer. Good, good answer. answer. Good answer. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely blown out of proportion. Um, the people being upset about it, I think it's really cool. Coach Jalen Sider, if you're listening, please send one my way. I'd really, really appreciate it. All right, anything else on the Maryland game before we jump into a quick uh, Purdue preview? I almost said Idaho. That's weird. They're the same colors, right? Um, similar. Similar. Anyway, anything else on Maryland before we jump into Purdue? Uh, you guys suck. You guys suck. Yeah. Stop, stop trying to be a rival. Like, and this is the one thing I hate because like I I hate the whole 
you're not our rival conversation because like I think Ohio State does that to us basically because we try to be their rival uh so like I hate when people like Pitt you're not our rival Maryland you're not our rival but like guys you've gotten your ass kicked like four years in a row now chill out with the blackout with the Friday night fanfare canceling classes for the game shut up but I'm happy so I'm over it all right, let's get into Purdue. It is homecoming. Do you know what the best part about homecoming is? I can tell you it's definitely not the parade. It's not. And you know what's funny? That actually, that sounded like it was a setup for an ad read. Like if we were cool enough to have ads. Do you know what the can best part of homecoming best... is? The black tux. <laughs> you want to look Blue good for homecoming. <laughs> oh, God, we need to get more famous. Guys, uh, what's that thing people always say? Um, subscribe, leave a review, five stars. Do it if you want. Like I think it would be cool. Um, no, the best part about homecoming is, is me white, white <laughs> cleats, baby. It is the, uh, what is it, Generations of Greatness uniforms. White cleats will be worn, and you know, you know everyone's faster in white cleats. I 100%. I wore them in high school. Yeah. Uh, shaved at least, I, I think, four seconds off my 40 time. Yeah. Took um, you from a 10-6 to like a 6-6. Six, six. Exactly. <laughs> I love white cleats. It's actually like, I know we have this saying like black shoes, basic blues, but I, white cleats are so much better than black cleats all day, every day, homecoming or not. Yep. No, I think they're awesome. And I actually do love it that they, they do this uniform for just one game. Cause it does make it special. Like if you just changed it, we're like, Hey, yeah, we're going to wear them now. Like, I think it would kind of fade a little bit pretty quickly. Um, but I think the last time we did this was homecoming against Indiana where Saquon Barkley took the opening kickoff to the house in the white cleats, and it was sexy as hell. Um, players are excited about it. It's something cool for them to look forward to. I'm personally excited as well. So this is homecoming. We get the Purdue Boilermakers, and man, they are hobbling into this game. Not a great start for Purdue. Uh, they are 1-3 so far on the year, with their one win coming against Vanderbilt. Not a great program. Biggest thing, though, is their injuries. So before this past game, uh, they were already missing defensive tackle Lorenzo Neal and linebacker Marcus Bailey. And now after this game, they lose starting quarterback Elijah Sindelar and superstar wide receiver Rondell Moore. This is a huge hit. A huge hit. Rondell Moore, like, I mean, you should know his name. He's a household name. If you don't, he's their KJ Hamler. Like, he is, I'd almost say just as good. Like, obviously, he plays on a much lesser program. He is really Just good. from a talent perspective, the kid is a stud. Um, he had a, he had so many better offers, too. I don't know exactly why he took Purdue. I'm pretty sure he had some, like, top-level offers. I'll fact-check that. Um, but he's out. Uh, Elijah Sindelar, their quarterback, is out possibly for the year. Um, their backup's not terrible. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be like night and day difference just because it is what it is at Purdue. Um, yeah, I mean, is, they, they trust enough to throw the ball. Yeah, so this this is a big uh, a big knock. I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of notes on Purdue um, just because, like, I don't know, this feels like a game. Like, you're missing your quarterback, you're starting star wide receiver slash playmaker, a defensive tackle, a linebacker, amongst other guys that I just didn't list out. Like, they're hurt. It's homecoming seems like this should be like a pretty easy victory um 
What are your thoughts on Purdue before I go into some of the notes that we have here? I mean, yeah, they don't look very good. Uh, they seem like their offense isn't bad. They put up some points every game. Their defense seems very suspect, though. And that's against some teams who don't seem to have great offenses. Yes, 100% so, I mean, correct. Look for our offense. If, if our offense doesn't absolutely roll on Saturday, that's pretty concerning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you you got to chalk it up to being a like just playing poorly. Because it, it seems like we outclass them badly offense to defense, like, talent wise. Yeah, so let's go through some of the numbers there. Um, and I, I will do the offense to defense uh, kind of flip here. So Purdue's offense, uh, they are scoring 29.3 points per game, good for 75th in the nation. We are allowing, do you know how many points we're allowing? Uh, I believe if I had to guess without looking at notes, seven and a half. No, you definitely looked at the notes. Just kidding. He's a genius. Uh, seven and a half. That is second in the country right now. Second in the country. That's damn good. I think it's Wisconsin, and they're at like 7.2. Um, Nerds. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but I'm almost positive it's that. I like, I like round numbers. Seven and a half. Looks yeah, I mean, but it's, yeah, it is Wisconsin. They are, I'm sorry, 7.3. Actually, here's a fun fact. The top four scoring defenses in the country right now, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, all Big Ten. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Go. Wisconsin is allowing 7.3 points a game. We're 7.5. Iowa's 8.5. Ohio State is 8.6. Big Ten, come get us. Um, so, yeah, obviously that's a mismatch, right? They're scoring 29.3, but we're only allowing 7.5. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, that's not a mismatch. That's probably one of the better um, matchups is that their offense actually has been putting up points. Our defense has been holding. That's a bit of a good on good. Um, passing yards, they're actually sixth in the in the country at 351. Um, rushing yards, they're really bad, 68.3. That's 129th in the country. Uh mm-hmm. So they are averaging 68.3. We are letting up 68. Good for seventh in the country. That's a matchup nightmare. We should be absolutely demolishing the run. Uh, like I said, though, their, their passing yards, uh, 351, is sixth in the nation. Our passing yards allowed, 206. That's 47th in the nation. So if there is some exploitation, if we're shutting down the run, maybe this backup quarterback can do something. I don't feel super confident, but maybe that's where they look. Um, and then just for point of reference, their third down conversion percentage is 41.7, which is 56th in the country. Um, so That's we, not bad. Though. No, no, not bad at all. Converting, you know, almost 42% of the time. Um, not bad at all, considering where we have started this year. Uh, so let's flip over to the other side. Um, Penn State offense versus uh, Purdue defense. We are averaging 50 points a game. Pretty damn good. A lot, of, a lot of points every game. A lot of points. That is fifth in the nation. Uh, they are allowing 32.5, which is 108th in the country. So That's also a lot of points every game. Again, if they're allowing 32 and we're scoring 50, expect a lot of points in this game. Uh, they're allowing almost 300 yards passing a game, 296. We're averaging 316. So again, hopefully another big game for Cliff here. Uh, they are allowing 155 yards rushing. We're averaging 193. So I mean, I'm, I'm reading these just verbatim here, but like you can you can see it's based on the numbers, yeah. not very evenly matched game. 
Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, our third down conversion percentage has jumped. Remember, we were 127th in the nation. We're now 83rd in the nation at a whopping 37.2%. It's impressive. It's impressive. How's their third down defense? You got their that? third down defense. I will look it up uh, while I'm looking it up. Um, one mention I forgot was sacks. So uh, they are actually pretty good in sacks. Uh, pretty good relative, but they're 29th in the country, averaging 2.75 a game. Uh, we are eighth in the country, averaging 3.75 a game. So a full sack better. Um, but some things that some things that Franklin mentioned in his press conference, um, you know, mentioned their upsets last year. They beat Ohio State, who I think was number two at the time, and Iowa, who was number 14 at the time. I didn't realize they had both of those last year. Oh yeah, forgot um, about that. Yeah. So like I said, they are ranked number sixth in passing in all of the FBS. They're actually ranked number one in the Big Ten uh, with their 351 pass yards a game. Obviously, it doesn't matter if you're not turning those into points all the time, but interesting nonetheless. Um, and like I mentioned, 29th in uh, sacks. So third down defense, we are allowing teams to convert at a 29% clip, uh, and Purdue is allowing teams to convert at a 34% clip. Uh, they're 49th in the nation. We are 20-something or others. Or no, 15th. Actually pretty good. Uh, so yeah, we're rambling. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. I think we jump right into our preview here. Um, again, this should be a pretty big victory. Um, but what is your key to victory or key to a big win? Uh, I was say key to victory is just make sure everyone doesn't drop dead on the way out of the tunnel. No kind of like mustard <laughs> gas accident. <laughs> pretty good key. No, no kind of cave in of the tunnel while the entire team is on their way out. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I would say key to a blowout here would be ah, God. I mean, I would say just establish the run. I mean, if we can run the ball, I think there's no chance that they stop us. That and apply pressure to their quarterback. We do those two things. I think our offense ends up putting up monster numbers, and their their offense can't go anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of like in particular things you could pick out. For me, the key to victory and key to a big win here, don't fall into the trap. We're coming off a huge emotional win, a big, big week for our young starting quarterback. Our young defense is playing well. It's homecoming. This has trap game written all over it, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But we've seen Purdue do some sneaky things in the years past. We've seen us come out sleepy after some weeks like this and on homecoming too yes i've we, seen we've some seen of the worst games i've ever watched on penn, penn state history or homecoming correct actually. so this is my thing don't fall into the trap be ready be excited go one and oh this week focus on purdue 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 because it's very easy to look forward to iowa the week following a night game at Kinnick. it's very easy to think hey we just fucked up maryland we're good guys stick to the plan stay focused and this will be a domination that's my uh, that's my key to victory, which is kind of a cop-out, but it's my key. All right, don't be surprised if. What is your don't be surprised if? Uh, I've got two. Okay. And they're total opposite ends of the spectrum. Love it. So one is don't be surprised if we come out sluggish. Yeah, I hate that. You talked about it, and I've been thinking it, but, you know, it, it could happen. We, yeah. we already brought up all the reasons why, so I won't again. But the, my other don't be surprised if, don't be surprised if we pitch two shutouts in a row. Oh, that I like. That I like a lot. Um, they, they've got a backup quarterback in. 
who he threw two interceptions in his first game. He he did he put up some decent yards yeah. and two touchdowns, so that that can't be ignored. But I mean, he threw the ball a lot and threw two interceptions, so it seems like I haven't watched this kid play. I'm guess he's not the best decision maker. Doesn't have a ton of experience at the college level. He's now going up against you know a I think a defensive line that's hitting its stride has a ton of talent. I think he there's a chance he'll be throwing the ball around in places he's not supposed to. Yeah, I, I love that. I would love another shutout. Um, continue to build this confidence for the defense. Uh, the sluggish start. I, I hope. I hope it doesn't happen. But but again, I'm. I understand why. Um, and the Maryland game, man, that quick start. Uh, shout out to me for winning my bet of over 13 points in the first quarter. What up? Um, that was so exciting. I needed that. I needed that breath of life, and I want to keep that. I want that to continue. Uh, so my don't be surprised if I'm going to try a little bit of a. Uh, little reverse magic here don't be surprised if there is not a kick return or punt return for touchdowns okay don't be surprised there's not going to be one guys i'm putting it out in the world there will not (laughs) be a kick return or punt return for a touchdown (laughs) don't be surprised if that thing that never happens continues not to happen (laughs) Every, every fucking week i say might be this week might be this week so this week not going to happen. Not gonna Guys, be don't happen. be surprised if cows don't storm the stadium, <laughs> <laughs> become sentient, and murder the crowd. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. That's, listen, listen. <laughs> if it happens, you heard it here first. Don't be surprised. Football gods, please, dear Lord, help me out on this one. All right, so let's finish up with our actual predictions. So the line for this game uh, currently sits at Penn State minus 28. Uh, if you shop around, you can get it at 27.5 at certain books, but most books are 28, and the over-under is at 56. So Pat, what is your prediction for this game? My pre- I'm, do you want the score prediction or my bets? Let's, let's give the score prediction. Uh, actually, no, look, give me your bets and then lead into the score. I'm taking Penn State, even given 27.5. And I, in upset of the century, I'm taking the over. Wow! Yes. Wow. Oh, oh man, that throws a wrench in my plan. All right, what's your uh, what's your I score take prediction? Over it and my score prediction is sixty-five to three. Wow, I it's going it. to be a big one. I no, I love it because that's normally <clears throat> me who's like over points, 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 points. Um, damn, well, this doesn't bode well for our competition because I have the same damn bets. <laughs> so we're either going to go up two each, or go down two each. Uh, I have the same. I'm taking Penn State minus 28. Um, like I said, I am a little bit worried about maybe the the bit of a trap game. It's homecoming. We just had a big win, but I, I think I think the the numbers are just way too in our favor. Yeah. Uh, so I do like the 28. I take the over 56 as well. Um, one of my don't be surprised ifs was going to be don't be surprised if we cover the over by ourselves, which we almost did in this damn Maryland game. You actually have that happening, 65-3. Yep. I have it a little bit different. I have a I have a 55 to 10 which the only reason I'm giving them 10 is just because, like, I don't know. I feel like I can't pick zero again. Like, I, I feel like I've, I've always said I like, just gave I, him three because I felt like I couldn't pick zero. So, yeah. Yeah. I had, I, had, I had six at first because I was like, all right, two field goals. But I don't know. I could see, like, if, if we're up big again. You, you've seen that Franklin is very okay taking the starters out early when we're up big. Um, and the twos, threes, fours have all done fantastic but it wouldn't shock me if they get a garbage time touchdown against our threes or fours and it'll be what it'll be. Um, and it'll help my over. So 55, 10 Penn state wins it big. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. So that is your Maryland recap, your Purdue preview. Um, lots of things going on in the Penn State world. Uh, like I said, let us know what we need to do for our, our season-long bet. Um, we'll try to not pick the same thing every week so, so we can change it up a little bit. Uh, and, and we got to give the, the people genuine picks, though. That's true. I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change my bet. Also, how often picks. are we not gonna be betting? On, basically, the only thing we're betting on is the over under every week. Uh, <laughs> yes or no? I mean, I mean, you get to the Iowa game that it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tight spread. It'll be true, pretty close. True, um, true. The Ohio State game will be interesting. So there, there will be some where I think we'll differ on the spread, but um, overall, yeah, a lot of good things in the world of Penn State football right now. Um, appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, jokes aside, if you want to drop a review on iTunes, that would be cool. Apparently that helps. That's what I've been reading. Um, we have a couple, I think we have like five total. Uh, three of them are pretty good. And then two of them tell us we suck cause we curse too much. So fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I got. Pat, what do you got? What do you got for the fans? Yeah. Thanks for listening guys. You know, we, we would love a review. Tell me how sexy my voice sounds over the airwaves. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it, you know? There you go. All right, let's go 1-0 this week. Homecoming, white cleats, Purdue, 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 Purdue. We are.